You are listening to Be the Love, transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness. We are souls on the journey, opening up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez, and we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. Hop on board the Ascension Bus. This is Jules DeVito from Highly Sensitive Humans. This is Katie Jo Holton. We are Michael and Jamie Thornhill at Casa Galactica. This is Tara Jolly. I'm Anna Anderson, and you are listening to Be The Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And thank you again so much for tuning in this week. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help the show become more visible and spread the word to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment just to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out of your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present in this moment. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing out anything you are ready to release. And take one more breath into your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out that light and love and sending it to all of humanity, remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. Today, we have Becca Ribbing. Becca is the author of the Clarity Journal and has been a coach for over a decade. She's on a mission to help people break out of the cycles of uncertainty and struggle that hold them back. She helps women going back and forth with the big, seemingly endless question of what to do next so they can stop going around in circles and finally figure out what they truly want and create the clarity and momentum they crave. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Becca. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I know clarity is a really big thing and I've along the way have struggled with clarity and just really, you know, wanting to know what to do next and how to figure that out on my own life journey. So I, I'm really excited to be jumping in and diving in with this topic because I know, I know for me, I'm not alone <laughs> and there's a lot of people who struggle with this. There are. Yeah. So before we jump in, I'd like, um, I'd like. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey and what what's led you to this point. Oh, I feel like so many things have led to this point that it's always when I get asked something like that, I'm like, uh, there is so much there. I started coaching because I was at my own transition. I was, you know, in my mid-20s. I had finished college, got my first job out of college, and 
had that rude awakening many of us have in our mid-20s that everything we thought we knew in college about what we were going to do with our lives wasn't true. So in the process of me trying to figure out my own journey, I ended up doing a lot of reading, you know, reading all of the books that are supposed to help you figure out what you're going to do. And at the same time, my friends were going through the same thing, right? Because they were in their mid twenties too. And so I started helping them as well because they didn't want to read the books. So (laughs) I realized I was really good at this and that's how I ended up a career coach. So tell us a little bit more about that and just like what the work you've done with your clients and what that's looked like for you. It's really, a lot of times it's about helping them feel stronger. I think when you were speaking about your own decisions, your own times of being stuck, one of the things that we really don't accept easily is that We are always going to hit those times. Even I, as a coach, hit those times because we are constantly growing and changing. You asked about the spiritual journey and our journey really is to grow and change. And so whatever your answer is today about what is the right thing for you to do is not going to be the answer in three to five years. In three to five years, you will have mastered that and it'll be boring. So I think that it's really important to recognize that you aren't actually trying to come up with your life plan. You're trying to come up with the next step in the plan. And so I think that that really helps at a certain level, take it down a notch, like make it less fraught. Because if you look at your life as just these stepping stones of a journey, then there really isn't that wrong answer, that stepping stone that you're about to take isn't necessarily a hundred, hundred percent good or a hundred percent bad. It's on this continuum of human experience. And so being really clear about you and your own strengths and kind of what you bring to the table, I think that is the most important thing because where I see people get lost in this is they listen too much to their parents, their friends, their siblings, they allow themselves to lose sight of their own intuition. And a lot of times when they're having a hard time moving forward, what it really is, is their intuition is telling them one thing and the rest of the world is telling them that that's not safe or maybe not even that strong. Like a lot of times it's just like a lot of, are you sure? are you sure? And it's hard to be sure when someone's constantly asking you, are you Mm. sure? Like that expression doesn't give confidence to the other person. So I think that it's really about being confident within yourself about what this path is going to look like for you, like more in the intangibles than the tangibles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think in our culture, a lot of I know for me in particular, it's always, it was always like, oh, what are you going to do when you grow up? You have to make that choice. And so there was a lot of times where it would feel like I was stuck with this paralyzation of analyzation because I was like, well, what if I don't choose the right path? What if I take the wrong road? And, you know, and so do you find that tends to create a lot of stuckness for people just trying to figure it out? Like what's the perfect path for them? I think it does because we just don't have the same paths that we had 50 years ago. And so if someone asked you as a kid, what do you want to do? You would have said like, 
I want to be a firefighter or I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a teacher. And all of those things are very concrete, very like set out of the 1950s. Like you get your job, you do the or you do the training, you get your job. And then you do this job for the rest of your life. And really, maybe you'll get into management, but it's the same job. That doesn't exist for most of us. And I think it's a little bit unfortunate because the people that are charged with training us, that is teachers and professors, are still in that mindset because that is their job. Their job is still in that paradigm, but I'd say at least 70% of other jobs are not in that paradigm. So it makes it a little hard for them to truly relate with having a career be less concrete and more like internally driven. So talk a little bit more about the idea that we don't need to have it all figured out, but, you know, just maybe steps on the path and what that might look like for somebody. So when I start working with someone, I, and, and I also wrote the clarity journal. And so in the beginning of the clarity journal, I spend a lot of time trying to get people to uh, articulate their stories and articulate their strengths. Because when I hear the stories, I can really help them pinpoint their strengths. I find that when I point out a strength to someone, oftentimes they will get really quiet and just go, and and not in a like, and not necessarily in an energized way, but more in a like puzzled way, because once they start talking about it, it's like, but that comes easily to me. Doesn't that come easily to everyone else? Or that should come easily to everyone else. And it's funny because I think a lot of times that very same person gets annoyed at their coworkers for not having their strength. And when I point out like, no, that comes easy to you because that is your strength that is what makes you valuable is the fact that it comes easy. And that is what is going to make your future jobs better is if you are using those things that you find easy within yourself, then you're not struggling. You're letting go of the struggle. And I think we spend so much time in school. Like we're in school. It's not like people are really nice. Like, Oh, you got an A in math. That's great. But your writing sucks. And it's always, yeah, but (laughs) And so we do that to ourselves. We've been trained since we were five to do the, yeah, but, oh, I am really good at like raising my hand in class, but I need to practice my math, like my times tables better. I'm really good at X, but I need to do this better. As an adult, if you are spending a lot of time trying to do that, yeah, but yeah, I need to fix this. I need to fix that. It is exhausting and there is no need for it. Like we don't actually need to be straight A students throughout our entire lives in our jobs. We need to like really work on finding jobs that use those strengths so that it becomes flow and fun. I really like what you said there because I go through that too. You know, somebody gives me a compliment, you do a good job at this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, but I suck at this, you know? Yeah, but I suck at that. And it's, it's really hard, I think, for a lot of us to take any compliments because like you said, when we were kids and we were in school and we were learning, yeah, our, our strengths were, you know, yeah, you did good at spelling or, or whatever, but let's work on math because you really suck at math. So it was always, you know, that little just stab, you know, that little jab that you got. Not too long ago, I was watching this uh, survival show 
and one of the people that were you know stuck on this place they were talking about back with our ancestors you know we all our cultures we all had this rite of passage this right into adulthood you know where some tribes would go and have vision quests you know their young ones would go and have vision quests and be by themselves for a couple of weeks and and when they would come back they would come back as an adult and it seems like in our culture now we really don't have a rite of passage but if anything i guess our quote unquote rite of passage would be more like workforce related like you said like get into college you know go for your degree and then do your job with that degree and if you do all that then that makes you an adult and i think it's kind of it's, it is a, a skewed way of of kind of looking at things so i'm wondering if somebody came to you and had this tunnel vision way of thinking, what would be the best way to broaden their horizons a little bit? You know, because my personal opinion is we're not what we do. You know, like my, my job doesn't define me. My passions, my desires, my talents, they help to define me. But in this Western world that we live in, where we're so locked into this box, how do we unlock that box and creep out a little bit? It's a great question. I feel like some of it is just about mindfulness, like being aware that you are doing it, being aware you're doing the, yeah, but when you were saying that, I, I've never used this phrase in this topic before, but now I'm going to all the time. It's like you're giving yourself compliment sandwiches, right? When you're like being taught in school how to like critique other people's writing, it's like you say something good, you say something bad, and then you say something good. And we're all doing that. And I think that also we all know the really annoying person that's like probably a narcissist and can totally talk about themselves in like really flamingly positive ways. And that's annoying, but recognizing that like within yourself, you deserve ease, you deserve happiness, you deserve connection. And so when I... When I do work with people, I think that a lot of it is really about giving them permission. They need someone who is going to listen to them and go through this process with them, who is not their parent, who is not scared for them, but is expansive. And I think you can do that in a lot of ways. I am not saying that like, if you can't afford to hire a coach, you're up a creek, <laughs> but then like, that's actually one of the reasons why I wrote the Clarity Journal, because I really wanted to help people kind of get out of this stuck feeling within yourself when you are asking the same question over and over again. And that question is often like, it's not even a question sometimes. It's usually a statement. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. I don't know. That I don't know, I hear over and over again. And when I can help people just start to talk even a little bit and ask questions that kind of expand them outside of the way they've been thinking about it, I oftentimes hear it really rapidly shift from, I don't know, to, I need to figure out these three things. I have these th two decisions to make, and I'm really having a hard time with that, with committing to it, because one is completely different. I always, I joke when I start up with a client, one of the first questions I ask after I've gone into what their background is and stuff and what they think they want is like, is there anything that you're thinking about that's completely outside the box? Like, are you thinking about opening a coffee shop or a Bikram yoga studio or going and becoming an artist? Because we suppress that 
so much that without being explicitly asked, sometimes it doesn't come up into the, in the conversation for two or three sessions. If I forget to ask it, because it's like this deep place within ourselves where it's precious and small, and we don't want to totally let it go. And we feel like whenever we talk about it, someone's going to do that. Yeah. But thing and be like, ah, like the face you see it on their face. And so I think that that's like the biggest part of this is to get more comfortable with your aspirations and get, and you're right. It doesn't have to be in work. I think some of my favorite clients are actually coming to me simply because they want to find a job that like, they know what they want to do and it is not a job and they know they need to make money. And so they actually come to me like, I want to work 40 hours a week, just tell me how I can find a job that truly works 40 hours a week because I want to have time with my family or I want like whatever it is that is their passion. And sometimes I try to circle it back. It's like, well, are you thinking expansively enough about what jobs can be? Because we spend at least 40 hours there. You might as well be happy, but it is a really interesting thing because it's so counter to our culture that every time that happens, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You go, like, you go. (laughs) So I'm wondering for, you know, people who find themselves stuck, just trying to get clarity or to figure out what that next step is and going from the, I don't know, to trying to do that exploration. um, What are some tools that people can use to to help them get unstuck to move from here to there and where they want to be? So I think that it really depends on where you are in the continuum. If you're like truly burnt out, then adding in a little bit of meditation to start out with, or just even taking like long walks to help just get yourself to breathe. I loved your opening breathing exercise because it was just so, such a good reminder, just short little snippet of a reminder. And on the, on that continuum, I do think that becoming more open to exploring when we are stuck, we oftentimes, when we're talking to our friends, we're coming at it from a place of negativity and a place of fear and moving slightly outside of that comfort zone to, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm exploring it, like changing how you're talking about it within yourself and then journaling about it as you get slightly more not comfortable. Cause actually you probably will get less comfortable with it before you get more comfortable with it, but really sitting with the fears that it's bringing up, really sitting with all of it so that you can notice it. I find that one of my pet peeves about how we teach mindfulness in this country, how we teach meditation is that we so often go right to the, and then you suppress your thoughts. <laughs> like it's like you breathe, and yeah, you notice, and then you, and then you clear your mind. And then, and that's no, the whole point is to notice everything that is going on. And sure, as you start noticing it, it relaxes, but you can't actually get to that place of relaxation without noticing it. And I think that we have so internalized the bad things are bad, right? Bad feelings are bad. And I'm going to get a little like feminist here, but I know guys deal with this too. But I think especially women have been taught, if you are angry, you're not being rational. 
If you are mad, you're not being rational. If you are sad, you're not being rational. And that's totally not true. All of those feelings are almost always rational reactions to something that happened. And it drives me batty. I'll hear some woman be like trying to suppress, trying to suppress. And and I'll just be like, um, okay, you're mad because your boss just dropped a project that's due in three days and you have no time to do it. And you are telling me this isn't the right time to leave the job and go job searching because you would be hurting your coworkers. And I'm like, but you are hurting yourself. You are literally hurting yourself staying in this situation. And it's so funny to hear that, oh, that ebb and flow of where people will allow themselves to feel and where they won't allow themselves to feel. So I would say, if you're doing this journey on your own, allowing yourself to get more comfortable with the negative feelings is probably a really good place to start because you are inevitably, if you're uncomfortable with your next decision, finding things that are uncomfortable at some level. I totally agree because we have to really get comfortable with our emotional self and we've been conditioned to push and suppress our emotions down or, you know, whatever messages we've received, you know, growing up, you know, big girls, big boys don't cry, you know, you shouldn't feel that way, you know, those kinds of things. So really um, developing that mindfulness practice around the feelings and really being open to what is going to rise up and one of the things with emotions, it's um, helpful to recognize that emotions don't have to be scary. You know, we can truly tap into the emotional body, the, you know, the energy, emotions, energy in motion, and really just feel that. And most emotions only last 90 seconds in our bodies. But what happens is we perpetuate those emotions when we put thought and meaning to it. And we can truly just like notice and be aware that energy begins to dissipate and it could be a really beautiful process to connect with ourselves. Yeah. Further onto that, I realized that right after I finished talking, it may actually be that men have been so well-trained to suppress it that like, it's actually, they have it even worse because it was so ingrained in them that they actually do it better but that's not actually a positive thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, you don't even know you're having the emotion to begin with. Whereas women know they're having the emotion to begin with. Most of the time I'm being very binary here and I'm sorry, (laughs) but it is important to be able to feel the emotion first and like even be able to put a name on it. You're completely right too about the male um, perspective of that. Me growing up, I was taught to, you know, kind of push those, those emotions down and, and things like that. And then in my adolescence and in my young adult years, I would have an emotion and I would think, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, why, why, you know, and um, actually I come to find out later on in life that I am an empath. So mm-hmm. I would, I would get mad and then I would start crying and I'd be like, what the hell is, why am I crying right now? I'm not sad. I'm just like really like angry or like, you know, juiced up or something. Why am I crying? And I think, you know, it is a generational thing where men were taught to suppress their emotions and women were taught that their emotions aren't attractive. Nobody wants to see you cry. They just want to see you happy and smiling and cooking the dinner and having the children, you know, and with the men, nobody wants to hear about how you feel inside. You just go to work, you, you provide for your family 
and that's that's what makes you a good person that's what makes you a good parent is if you do these other things and you know to hell with your emotions but i think nowadays especially you know with circumstances that have been happening throughout the world that we are like you said realizing that okay our emotions and it doesn't matter what they are they're all good you know they're all good they're they're all trying to they're trying to protect us or they're trying to teach us something you know so yeah so they are all good and it is and it is okay to feel them my question for you though is somebody if somebody did decide you know to go on this path alone without a without a coach or, or a mentor or something like that and they do start feeling these emotions but then they start you know like their ego brain kicks in and they start getting in their head and you know start thinking wait i don't want to overdo it what if i overdo it you know and i go crazy and i just end up like doing something that's going to land me in jail like you know kind of go into that extreme if you are starting to feel your emotions and they're starting to become really raw and really powerful and you start to get afraid what would be a good exercise or something to do to kind of bring you back into now you know to bring you back into realizing it is an emotion it is good but i don't have to hold on to it and i shouldn't hold on to it you know that kind of thing like the old Chinese proverb goes, let your emotions come and go like your thoughts, but don't serve them tea. You know, don't let them sit. Oh, I love that. I, I think it depends on where we are in the continuum. Again, like I think therapy has a really important place in our lives. And sometimes I get a little worried when I am speaking that I am dismissing that someone with genuine trauma doing this on their own is just going to re-trigger trauma over and over again. And it just is important to stop that cycle and get help. And I think sometimes we tell people that they should be able to do it all on their own and you can't necessarily do it all on their own. And there's, there's so many resources available for people that need help that even if you don't have health insurance or whatnot, don't give up because I think that a lot of times, you know, it's uncomfortable. You don't want to do it. And so then you don't reach out. So I love, love, love on YouTube. There's so many different hyp hypnotherapy videos. And I like listening to those if I'm feeling anxious or if there's something that's triggering me. I'm a big believer in like kind of the, what's the word? Like bilateral stimulation. Like I had a really really traumatic experience 15 years ago. I had a ectopic pregnancy and it was really hard, but I, I just accidentally went to therapy with a person who was trained in EMDR and I started therapy probably six weeks after it. And it cleared up the trauma so quickly that it was really amazing. And so if you're experiencing trauma, I highly recommend EMDR, even though I'm not a therapist, um, you can do your own research, but I really think that it's very special for helping people move forward. It is more effective for, from my understanding, is more effective for like concrete traumas, like what I experienced. But I think that I know enough therapists in my life that do it for a lot of different traumas that it is useful. For doing it on your own, I think that it's just really being self-compassionate. If you are doing it on your own, really recognize that you, right now, your healing is the most important thing. And being self-compassionate, but also trying to take stock of where 
your triggers are interacting with reality. I think that sometimes we get triggered and then we put judgment on things when it's not the whole story. I was um, speaking on a podcast that was really aimed for people that were going through sobriety, like that were sober. And the guy asked me like, what would you tell someone who wakes up what like is sober wakes up and like realizes that his wife is like treating him really badly and that does not talk nicely to him and he also said and and a boss I'm like well with a boss you just get a new job right like things have deteriorated get a new job but we thought like with an actual family relationship I think it's the extreme proves the rule if you were an alcoholic and now you're sober and your wife's being a jerk to you, it's very possible she's just a jerk, but it's also very possible she is dealing with her trauma about your alcoholism. And so in order to really like suss out which that is, you're gonna have to be able to sit with it for a while and really do your own work. And I like this example because I think that it applies to so many things. If you have trauma, you are reacting to the world in different ways that aren't necessarily how you are. The truth isn't what you're perceiving right now. And so being able to take whatever is triggering you and really look at it from all sides and try to see the other person's perspective, I think is really important because we don't want to just run away from everything, right? We're not going to run away from our pain all of the time and have that be successful. I think in some ways, when we talk about this, what our parents and grandparents were trained to do, it makes a lot of sense when you look at your grandparents or your great-grandparents, like what they went through during like World War One, II, the Great Depression. Like it makes sense that not talking about your feelings became kind of the standard. Can you imagine if everyone was just emoting about this horribly, horribly tragic war? It just wouldn't, society would have stopped functioning. (laughs) So it makes sense. But on the other hand, it's not healing. It is just putting a bandaid on it. And I I often will talk about self-care as a bandaid because when you have like a little cut, the bandaid's helpful. Like it keeps it clean. It keeps it dry. If you have a little emotional cut, self-care is great. Like go take a bubble bath, let yourself heal. But if you have this big gaping wound... (laughs) Like that's like getting infected. The band-aid's not gonna do anything. And I think that sometimes it's hard to recognize that it's not all just little cuts. There's big gaping wounds that we really need to address and heal before we can start moving forward and feel whole. Thank you for sharing that. So tell us a little bit more about your perspective on self-care and what that looks like for you and how can we redefine that and bringing more maybe self-care in a way that would be more healing. It's recognizing that the self-care is going to have to be commensurate with whatever the emotions are. And so the self-care of dealing with just like a little spat is a lot different than the self-care of having a horrible job. And I use the horrible job situation because I run into so many people that have that and I will hear it. Oh, I just spent $130 on a massage and it was great. I was so relaxed. 
And then I walked out of the building and I looked at my text messages and I had five different text messages from my boss and it just goes, it's gone. All that self-care you just did gone in a moment. And so I think it's recognizing that self-care can't fix that. Like if you have something structurally wrong in your life that is creating burnout and overwhelm, that needs to get fixed before the self-care is really going to make a meaningful difference in your life. I think we tend to maybe push those things aside and, you know, maybe we're not as honest with ourselves about our situation or, you know, maybe we internalize the guilt or the shame, the blame, you know, and I must be attracting this into my life, you know, as far as like the whole law of attraction paradigm or, you know, and and so we tend to take more responsibility rather than just saying, oh, well, my boss really is just an ass, you know, but like, what are some things we can do to truly tap into the truth within ourselves and how can we be more honest with ourselves about our situation and about like what we can do and what's recognizing what's not working anymore and how do we really start really taking it on head on well I think I'm gonna back up a teeny bit because I think it's a good illustration I feel like the self-care articles hit a critical mass in this late winter, early spring of 2000. And of course we were all stressed out. Like the world felt like it was imploding. We were all stuck in our houses and either we were stuck by ourselves or we were stuck with our family, but like either way, it was stressful. I love my family. Being stuck 24 seven with them was crazy making, but I have single friends who are stuck totally by themselves and were extremely lonely. And we're telling them that like a bubble bath is going to make them feel better. It's, it's not going to fix the fact that we are like literally in a global catastrophe. And so I think taking that and really like being able to see that like, okay, society's response to like, okay, what happened last spring of 2020, the pandemic and the shutdowns and the continuous rolling shutdowns. And like George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, it felt so intense and media is telling us that we should like have a glass of wine. (laughs) And it's just like, when you actually state it like that, it's like, oh, duh, this is stupid and was never going to work. (laughs) Like, why did I buy into that? And I think that part of it's just owning this is stupid. Like people's suggestions don't always make sense. A lot of times what society's trying to do is keep making us good minions. I mean, even if they don't mean to, I'm not even saying that like every person who wrote an article on self-care during that time was like, was the man, <laughs> but it, it really highlights our collective desire to just totally push aside actual trauma. And so I think to get back to your question, what can we do is really recognize, recognize just that's silly. Like recognize also that our boss is just not behaving well. I think that's one of the key things. Like, what is it? Dan Savage. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast. <laughs> like, Oh yeah, you can swear. (laughs) It's like dump the motherfucker already. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think that when we're reading like um, 
Dan Savage is a sex columnist. And like when we're reading those advice columnists and like, you can tell they're really struggling with not just telling, okay, you need to break up with them. 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 (laughs) And it's the same thing in your work life. I think we really almost are an abusive relationship. I mean, how many people do we know in an abusive relationship that are like, oh, maybe he'll change. Maybe they'll change. And maybe I'll get a new boss. Maybe my boss will finally become a good manager. Like what exactly is it that you're hoping is going to change? They've showed you, they don't value you. And sometimes we also take it too personally. Maybe they're showing you they didn't, they don't value you, but maybe the real problem is you said yes to every single thing. And so if you're the go-to person, they can offload their overwhelm onto, of course, they're going to do that. So there's some internal work to be done too, because even if the answer is, I need to leave this job because it is toxic, how do I establish boundaries so the next job doesn't become toxic? Because I can guarantee you, if you say yes to every single thing, every job is going to be toxic because it is human nature to take advantage of the person that always says yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think just learning boundaries and learning our limitations and starting to like really what feels good in our bodies and maybe it's you know this boss you know his the toxicity recognizing that this is not what I want to allow in my life anymore you know and that we have choice in that and I think going back to just that the trauma piece you know you mentioned EMDR and, and things and Uh, I'm actually an EMDR therapist too. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) so it's, um, it it can be really powerful, but recognizing what is your trauma that's coming up in those situations, you know, and, and why are you allowing that in your life? And if it's that trauma pattern, you know, reenacting itself and what we, what we do. And so being able to really step into our truth and yeah, start to separate and say, you know, this is, yeah, like I said, this is not what I allow or what I choose to allow in my life anymore. Um, And really stepping into your sovereignty, your power um, and making different choices. Although I do think it's where also having an outside person really helps Mm -hmm. because I have dealt with enough people who have PTSD that they are going to get triggered. There's just no way they're not going to get triggered by things. And when they get triggered, it is life and death. Even this little thing that to an average person would be like, that's not a big deal to them. Their entire body is reacting Mm -hmm. life and death. And I, one of the things I love about my job is I will work with people and mostly talk about career stuff, but I've had a couple clients who are uh, PTSD victims and being able to point out to them, hey, that one you need to go talk to your bo- your therapist about because I'm guessing it's not coming up in therapy and you are obviously really triggered about it. It's been really like interesting to see the progression and see their progression because mm-hmm. I do have some clients that have pretty traumatic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, but when, I guess when you're in therapy, you spend most of your time talking about your relationships, you know, and it's so, I don't know, or maybe my clients in particular, like, and so it's been really fun to see, like actually being able to heal sometimes with bosses. Like I had one woman who is, who has PTSD, but also there's something in her background that means she can't pass a background check 
And so she had to stay in the job, like had to figure out how to make it okay. And it was, I think, really healing for her to go through it and really figure out how to fix her boss being a micromanager. And it was doable. She ended up not hating the job. I'm not going to say she loved it, but it wasn't like a toxic mess for her anymore. So a lot of things are fixable if you can really see all the inputs. It's just that seeing all the inputs when you're in the thick of it are just so hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, yeah, recognizing what's the past coming up and 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 as you know, people start to do that healing work and work on their trauma, because I've, I've seen some pretty miraculous results with EMDR, you know, someone could come into my office with this trauma, you know, anger, rage that they've been experiencing, and they leave and, and the, the same trigger is not, it's not, they're, they're the same event or, you know, outside stimulus does not trigger them anymore. And so now that boss that used to maybe have, you know, these reactions, um, they're not reacting to that anymore because their nervous system has been put on this, like a safety mode there, you know, their brain's been rewired to not react to that anymore. So I think if we can just recognize what is the past and really do that deeper work, um, you can have some really powerful results and recognize that you're empowered to make those changes, you know, in, in your trauma and you don't have to live in that trauma anymore. You know, it's not a lifelong sentence, but something that we can learn to overcome and thrive on. Be really powerful process. So I'm wondering, Becca, if you would tell us a little bit more about the Clarity Journal and what was your inspiration for it? So the Clarity Journal actually came about because of my own back and forth, what should I do moment. I had um uh, I'd had my second son. He was probably about two, and he's really wonderful lovely child, love him dearly, but he had a lot of medical issues when he was a baby, a lot of, not bad ones, but ear infections and just like a lot of stuff going on. It meant I had to take off a lot of work. It just, you know, when babies are in pain, they cry a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's hard for one's own nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was just leaving that period and really that period I was in survival mode. And as I was leaving that period and trying to figure out where I wanted to go next and did I want to throw myself into coaching full time or did I want to get back to writing? Because I actually had, when he was born, I ended up having to give up a really cool um, meditation website that I was running. So I was going back and forth with a friend (laughs) and she finally stopped me and she was like, Becca, you're a coach. What would you tell yourself? And I laughed and also kind of wanted to slap her. (laughs) We always do, you know, when we've got that aha moment, that aha question, it's like, oh, right. So I got off the call and I wrote out 30 prompts just right away. What do I ask my clients to help them get unstuck and how do I get, help them get moving? And so as I was writing them down and answering them, I realized just how useful it was to reframe the question from a stronger, more clarifying perspective, like to go in deeper, to go into 
deeper about both your wants and desires and strengths and also your friendships and where you're, what is strengthening you, what is not. It just helps you get clarity about the central issue. And a lot of times before I started writing it, I didn't even realize that my big inner struggle was trying to get back to writing. The reason why I was having a hard time really throwing myself fully into coaching was because I was holding myself back because I knew something was missing, but because I was doing the spinning thing, I wasn't really allowing myself to see it because it wasn't the safe thing. So I wrote the clarity journal and I just, it, I feel like it's a really useful first step in doing a lot of what we've been talking about here. Like just kind of taking in and doing an intake about where you are and what is and isn't working. I love that. And, and so are, is that currently on Amazon or? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Beautiful. And I'm wondering if you'd like to provide a meditation for our listeners today. Yeah, I would love to. Find a quiet, peaceful place to sit. Have your hands either loosely clasped on your lap or resting on your knees. And breathe. Take a moment to gently move around to find the position that feels the most comfortable for you. Pay attention to each part of your body, starting with the feet and traveling all the way up to your head. Make sure that you are comfortable. And move your spine slightly from side to side and relax. Take a moment here for a deep breath in. And now exhale all of the tension away. Settle into a sense of peace. Allow all worries and stress to just melt away. If any outside thoughts come up for you, gently acknowledge them and thank them. Then refocus on your breath. Be good to yourself and allow yourself your distractions without judgment. They are normal. Take a deep breath in and exhale. Feel the air as it goes in and feel the air as it goes out. Allow the air to flow deeply in and deeply out. You are enough just as you are right now. You deserve this time to be good to yourself. Breathe in and breathe out. Allowing that breath to calm you. Allowing that breath 
to bring peace. Breathe in and out. No one needs you more than you need this moment for yourself. Allow yourself to focus on you. Rejuvenating and being centered in and out. Letting go of the past and simply being here now. You are at peace and you are in balance. Breathing in and breathing out. Now it's time to slowly come back. Allow yourself to bring awareness back to your hands and wiggle your fingers. And allow yourself to notice your arms and your chest. And finally, focus on your head. Feel how relaxed you are. Make a promise to yourself to hold on to this sense of peace. You are at peace. Now gently move your hands and move your head and open your eyes. Take a moment to thank the now. That was beautiful. Very much needed. Gets yeah. recentered. Thank you for sharing yeah. that with us. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to come back, but <laughs> <laughs> it's hard with five minutes. When uh, you're like, do a five minute one. I was like, oh yeah, that one's hard. Getting deep <laughs> enough in <laughs> to be able to come back out. That was that was pretty perfect. I could definitely see myself going on like a break or something from work and listening to that and just kind of recentering I think it was like perfect the amount of time so thank you yeah that was great and yeah, recognizing no doesn't have to be long but just enough to take that time throughout the day to really just get recentered and just take yep. some deep breaths and just focus in the here and now and embody the uh, present moment and I think it's also really important to recognize that your needs here come first mm -hmm. and that it may feel like other people are hair and fire and need you, but really they don't need you more than you need yourself. Mm -hmm. They don't need you more than you need centering. Mm -hmm. That is definitely a beautiful echo message. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And so Becca, tell our listeners how they can find you and what you're currently working on. So they can find me at BeccaRibbing.com. Becca is B-E-C-C-A. Ribbing is R-I-B-B-I-N-G. And I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. And then you can find my book, The Clarity Journal on Amazon. I'm also in the middle of writing my second book, but that's not quite out yet. Very cool. And we'll add all those, we'll add those links to the show notes as well. So if you want to provide the Amazon link, we can certainly do that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Becca, for being here with us today and sharing the space to have this beautiful conscious conversation. 
Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our Patreon site at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other, and love the world. We love you. Love you guys. Take care. And we'll talk to you later. We at Be The Love Podcast are honored to be supporting the Komodi Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization in Uganda that is working to build a school that will promote and support healthcare, education, skills development, feeding the hungry, human rights, and environmental defenders. Their goal is to work with young mothers and single mothers, street children, and vulnerable families who lack nurture as they guide them to become productive individuals, which will lead to a productive generation. Please see our show notes on how to become a donor, mentor, volunteer, or sponsor. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be The Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.